I'm James Briarton. Coming up this week, right here on the Carolina Weather Group, we have big news, and you are not going to want to miss it. An awesome opportunity is coming our way, and we're going to take you along for the ride. Plus, we're going to show you some just amazing snow photos, like snow like you've never seen before. And if you're missing snow this winter season, like so many of us are, then hopefully we can help you try to fill that void just a little bit. That and more coming your way on the Carolina Weather Group, starting right now. Here's a look at Charleston, South Carolina. I'm James Briarton in Charlotte. This is a live recording of the Carolina Weather Group coming your way on Facebook, YouTube, and other platforms here on this Wednesday, February the 15th, 2023. Hello to everyone who's watching and listening on those platforms and so many other platforms that carry us not only tonight, but throughout the week. Joining me on our Carolina Weather Group platform is Jared Smith in Charleston, South Carolina. Hello, Jared. Hello. It's a very, very exciting week here at the Carolina Weather Group. Oh, yeah. We already have questions coming in uh, from those watching live with us on this Wednesday night. If you're watching the replay or a syndicated re-airing, you've got a way to drop some comments in. Feel free to do that, and we will keep an eye out for those to try to answer them later on. But, uh, boy, Jared, I think we got to get right to the big announcement that we have here this week because it's a, a great opportunity coming our way here in the Carolina Weather Group, and we're going to share it with our audience uh, but Jared, do you know what this is? That. Do you know what this is, Jared? It's a big ticket. It is a big golden ticket from the Polar Express. But do you know what it is standing in for? I have a feeling it has something to do with space. It is. It's a big out of this world announcement. Uh, the Carolina Weather Group is just delighted to take you all along for a behind the scenes look at the upcoming Crew 6 launch, which is scheduled to blast off from U.S. soil, Cape Canaveral, uh, no earlier than later this month, the Carolina Weather Group and some other folks have been invited down for a very exciting trip to take you behind the scenes of one of these SpaceX launches. We can take a look here at some video that uh, we have seen from previous launches. This was Crew 5. This is, as Jared and so many of you know, how the United States and our partners bring new supplies and fresh blood to the International Space Station, and they will be doing that with the Crew-6 launch. So here at the Carolina Weather Group, we're going to take a trip down to Cape Canaveral, and we are going to take you behind the scenes of what it takes to get four astronauts up to the International Space Station to join their colleagues who are already up there are orbiting space. Uh, this is going to be a unique opportunity, Jared. I'm very excited. Uh, it's part of NASA Social, which is a program that allows NASA to reach people of all ages through social media. And this is going to be a very exciting trip. Uh, right now, the launch is scheduled for a little after 2 a.m., on Sunday, February 26th, which for all intents and purposes is very late on Saturday night. Uh, we will have live coverage of that wherever you are watching or listening to the Carolina Weather Group right now. And uh, what we're going to bring you that night, late Saturday night into early Sunday morning, is a comprehensive look on location at Cape Canaveral. 
of what it takes to, I mean, this is just amazing mm-hmm. work that they have done. But uh, if everything goes according to plan, and mind you, space schedules are dependent based on technology, the weather, and so much more. On the 24th, I'm hoping to do lots of uh, behind-the-scenes tours and interviews and things. We'll get that all compiled up, and then we'll have a special right here on the Carolina Weather Group uh, starting on Saturday, February 25th, and then carrying us past midnight into the early hours of Sunday when this rocket will hopefully blast off and take these folks up to the International Space Station. I'm very excited. Jared, you've done one of these NASA in-person experiences before. What should I expect when I go down there? So, first of all, prepare to just be just awestruck that the fact that you are there, um, that you're seeing things that very few people get to see uh, in the up close. I'm not sure what your agenda looks like, but I can tell you. I'm not sure what my agenda is. Yeah, they'll probably get to you. But 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 when I was down there for STS-135, this is 2011, by the way, that was the last base shuttle. That was Atlantis. Right. Uh, when I was down there, um, it was really cool. Like we had to check in at the press office uh, very early in the morning. Uh, let me tell you, very early in the morning. Uh, but we got a tour of the vehicle assembly building. We got to have lunch on the on the KSC campus. Um, we had a we had a special area that was out in the the grassy area next to the countdown clock. In fact, we have a whole big picture next to the the old countdown clock was there. Now they have the new one with the 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 more modern screen. Um, we had a kind of the pseudo digital analog uh, countdown clock at that point out there. And that was really cool. Uh, we got to see, uh, we, we got to go out to very near uh, pad 39, eight to see the uh, retraction of the, uh, the, the covering that they would have on mm-hmm. the space shuttle. So we got to see the shuttle uh, Atlanta sitting there in all of its glory. We all got pictures with it. It was really, really cool. Um, and then the launch. So this was crazy because it was very questionable. The day before, we had a major downpour. I mean, keep keep in mind, this was July in Florida. And in I'm 2011, saying, right? In 2011. Okay. We, we had a huge downpour the day before. It was not looking good. I mean, I mean, the weather side of this was not looking good. Like, we had all kind of made, I mean, a lot of us had made peace with the idea that, okay, we made it here. We got to see some really cool people. I mean, we got to meet astronauts. I mean... Uh, Seth Green was there doing some space things. Elmo really? was there. I of mean, course. I mean, I mean, that's what you have to do, right? So uh, it, it was really cool. I mean, just regardless. So the morning of, we had to get there very, very, very early to get in. Um, and uh, we were in the press area. We saw, you know, we, we, were, we walked by press row, saw, you know, like CNN was there. Um, you know, it was, I mean, it was everything that you have seen on television was there. Um we got a weather briefing uh, from the weather wing, which was really cool. I love um, how weather is just tied into all of this. Right? I think that's very the diagram here. Very important. Um, it critically important. Yeah. Um, and we got that. We got the briefing from the weather wing and like, yeah, you know, actually this is looking okay. Um, they ended up doing the launch. They ended up going that morning and it was just one of the most amazing things that I have ever seen. Uh, television does not do these launches justice. Let me tell you right now, they don't. Well, well, and let's also talk about a moment how successful these launches have been. Mm-hmm. That they are no longer carried live, not only on broadcast networks, but on cable networks. Yeah. Right? 
I don't want to do a whole like media sidebar here. I think it speaks to the success, not only of the current SpaceX generation of these missions to the International Space Station, but we saw it as well during the space shuttle. Mm -hmm. They became, for better or worse, almost routine. Yeah. Which I do think is kind of a shame because there is absolutely nothing routine about taking four human beings, regardless of what country they are from, and putting them atop world-class technology and in all potential threat to life and limb, blasting them off of the safety of this planet into the beyond. Why? Why? <laughs> I know why you and I are in awe every time we watch one of these on the screen. I can't imagine what my brain's going to do when I watch one of these in person. It's gonna it's gonna blow your mind. Uh, I'll I'll tell you it it really gives you a new appreciation for it. Uh, just the power of those rockets. And 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 again, you know, when I was at one thirty five, you know, we had the solid rocket boosters, which is what they use now. They they repurpose the solid rocket boosters from the space shuttle for the space launch system, which launched Artemis one, Artemis, yeah, um, out to the moon there. Um, and so th this one, you know, being a low Earth, or, you know, being low Earth orbit, I don't know how I don't know how nice it's going to be, but. Um, but you're going to see it and then you're going to hear it. It takes a little time for the sound to reach you, but when it does, you, it will reach you. Um, it, it's just, I mean, just, just knowing, just knowing what goes into this and it's like yeah. space is hard. Space is very, very, very hard. It's so and if, hard. And if you followed the SpaceX program while they were trying to get booted up and everything like that, they had a lot of miscues. They had a lot of mistakes. They had a lot of rockets blow up on the pad. I mean, the fact that we can get it to be routine like this, that's incredible. I yeah, mean, it's, it's like a blessing and a curse. It's like good and bad. Like we're doing it so well that we almost forget how well we're doing it. And 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 just how how delicate the whole thing is. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we, we saw how many times Artemis was scrubbed, but I mean any one of those anomalies could have caused there's a reason why they are very conservative about that. I don't know if we've ever talked about it on this show. I show my face on the Carolina Weather Group, but at work at WCNC, my face is, I'm, I'm behind the scenes. Yeah. And I produced the Brad Panovich hosted Artemis coverage. And it just seemed like every time NASA was like, okay, we're going to launch on Tuesday, hurricane appears. <laughs> that was like, I just sat every time. <laughs> but so, but you could, once it got out of there, it was great. Right. But we've also seen with other launches that we've streamed here in the Carolina Weather Group, you don't need a hurricane scale something to get in the way. You just need one cloud or one lightning strike mm -hmm. and the whole thing gets postponed. You need the ability for the rocket to cause its own lightning in order to, for it to get postponed. I mean, you can't have it go through. Uh, I mean, there's 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 very, 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 care, you know, very stringent weather regulations. If the winds very. aloft are a little stronger where they shouldn't be stronger, that is going to postpone the launch. Um, yeah. It and we use Florida because it is you know because the latitude is pretty reasonable. But Florida, under any other circumstance, is pretty much one of the most god awful weather places to launch things. You know, especially in the summer when you have sea breeze thunderstorms every day. Now, one thirty five ended up going mid morning. 
Um, and there was, a, and I want to say that there was an inversion uh, that, you know, I mean, it launched into, it launched into a stratocumulus. Um, and, and that may even have been a little bit pushing the envelope a little, little bit, but, uh, but it made for a really cool glow against that too so again um, i'm glad you got to see a uh, space shuttle i'm excited to get to see spacex we're going to move to the uh, piece here next from the carolina weather group archive uh we had a chance over two years ago matter of fact to speak with meteorologist tom nizzle you may remember him from his time at the weather channel you see him now on fox weather he spent three decades at the national weather service before becoming a broadcast meteorologist well if you're like me we're really kind of missing the snow this winter. Tom does some amazing photography of snowflakes, individual snowflakes blown up. The detail is beautiful. Let's go back now to the Carolina Weather Group archive. Evan Fisher picks up the conversation here with Tom Nizzle. Take a listen. And a lot of these snow events create these little pristine snowflakes that I know you love to photograph. Can you tell us about how you do that and how you kind of got interested in that uh, process? Yeah, well, ever since I was a little kid, I, in, I enjoyed the snow. And man, it was really fascinating because we, uh, when I was a little guy, we had a black lab as a dog. And a black lab is great because black lab's got this nice coat that's nicely insulated. Snowflakes would fall on it. And I'd look at these snowflakes. If you looked at them real close, it was, wow, these things are amazing. And so now as a grown-up kid, I've been able to use uh, a little bit of my skills and my hobby to photograph snowflakes. And these are some of the photographs. In fact, that one right there uh, that we just passed, I just took the other day at a snow, uh, little snow event that occurred right up here on Roan Mountain. But take a look at the amazing, amazing art of, of Mother Nature in producing these. That one right there is actually a hexagonal uh, column, a six-sided column uh, that occurs when the air temperature and moisture are in a certain range. This right here is a snowflake that has fallen through some super cool water droplets as it comes down through the cloud. And those droplets hit that flake and freeze on it. And then this is an example of what's referred to as a dendrite, a dendritic snowflake with those beautiful legs. And what do you notice about every one of these snow crystals, guys? Every one has six sides to it. There's six legs to that crystal, and it's the characteristic of what happens with water molecules when they go into a solid state. They form these hexagonal molecules. And again, that one right there is a hexagonal uh, uh, column, uh, almost looks like a barrel. Uh, that is an embryonic uh, snow crystal. From that, you will actually, from each point, get the legs or the arms to grow to produce those dendrites that you see. Um, and by the way, anybody can enjoy what mother nature has to provide. If you're getting a little bit of snow that is coming down, take your black fleece and put it out on the deck railing and stand back and let the snowflakes begin to fall. And if you get the right snowflakes and you look very closely or use your cell phone and zoom in on it, you're going to begin to see features like this. Um, it's, it's just fascinating. Of course, Jared, before any of us can see any features like that, we need to actually get some snowfall here in the Carolinas. Uh, here in Charlotte, we are flirting with what could be one of our first winter seasons in a long time with no measurable actual snowfall. Yeah, I can't I can't say that we're going to see anything out of the ordinary in Charleston with no measurable snowfall here. But 
I can assure you that this has just been a very, very warm winter. And I know that we're, you know, it it almost feels like that we're in severe weather season already in in many ways. It feels very spring-like. We got 79 today in Charleston. Um, We got the 70 yesterday. We got the 70 the day before. It looks like we're going to top 80 again tomorrow. Um, who knows? You know, it, it, it's one of those. It, it's one of those things that's just absolutely. Uh, uh, you know, you, you you wish you could get some winner out of this thing. Um, I mean, that, <laughs> that upper low we had that was such a waste because that would yeah. have been a perfect. That would have been a perfect scenario had the cold air been there. The last weekend, well, it goes back to you know Brad Panovich, chief meteorologist WCNG Charlotte has a rule: the cold air has to get here first. When yes. the cold air is chasing the moisture, it just never works out. Well, exactly we, do have a, right. we do have a question from Jeremy who's watching with us live on this Wednesday night on YouTube. What does the springtime severe weather threat look like this year in the Carolinas? And I don't know that we necessarily have a gut feeling on whether it's going to be uh, abnormally high or abnormally low, but we do know it has the chance of starting early. We've got plants that are blooming already. We've got tree pollen that's kicking off. And here in mid-February, Severe weather is always possible every year, but we are yet again keeping an eye on another line of storms that will be rolling into the Carolinas starting on Thursday night and then continuing into Friday. You can see periods of heavy rain at times. And and Jared, what type of severe weather threat might we see with this storm system that's coming through Thursday night into Friday? Good news is, is that it doesn't look like we are going to see anything. Um, you can see on the model there that you see weakening in that convection. You see, you know, there may be some elevated thunder. You may hear some of that. You may get some heavy rain at times. Um, but a couple things are going to happen. One, low pressure is going to be moving well into New England. Uh, two, uh, it's going to be running into a little bit more ridging aloft. And so that is going to help warm the air and remove some of that instability. So right now, there's very little, if any, instability forecast uh, to come through ahead of that front. It'll be warm, it'll be rainy, but it's not going to be a situation where we have, you know, particularly good uh, thermodynamics. The shear is absolutely there. The wind shear is, I mean, that's it's absolutely there. There's going to be a pretty decent low-level jet. We may see some gusty winds, but organized severe weather, I mean, we, we may not even get any thunder out of this. So um, if, if you're if you're hoping for thunderstorms, um, you know, I, I in, in the Carolinas, I think uh, definitely if you're on the western side, you may have a chance, but otherwise temper your expectations. Yeah. And, and the reason that Jared is saying that we might luck out here in the Carolinas and, and not have any significant severe weather threat is in comparison to what we will see elsewhere across the country on Thursday. You can see the Storm Prediction Center already has an enhanced risk, a tier three out of five, stretching from Ohio through Kentucky and Tennessee and into portions of Alabama um, and Mississippi. And of course, this threat is then going to have to move off to the east but if the timing continues to persist as it has been that this will arrive in the carolinas late thursday night and then move through during those overnight and morning hours that'll give it significantly less energy luckily jared than if Mm -hmm. it had come during daylight hours yeah exactly and and you know keep in mind too is that this is already starting tonight absolutely Um, yeah there's a i can go over actually let me go to my uh Go to my regional radar view, and I'm going to have, the, and I have this showing the dew points because this is absolutely bonkers. 
uh, here. Let me just, uh, so that's the future cast. Uh, we'll show you that in a second, but I'm going to show you the regional here. This is insane. So first of all, you have a severe thunderstorm watch in, you know, near Oklahoma City into northern Texas. And there's something special about this severe thunderstorm watch, James. Yeah. This is the first severe thunderstorm watch, first con ever convective watch issued by a woman. Really? Elizabeth Lightman, uh, WX Liz on Twitter. She is just a tremendous human being. Um, just so down to earth, you know, and, and, and really good at what she does. Um, this is the first ever uh, convective watch uh, issued by a woman in the history of the Storm Prediction Center. Can you believe I'm that? I am very happy and proud of Liz. I sometimes feel, and I want to word this very carefully so no one thinks I'm being a jerk, I wish we hadn't made it all the way to 2023. No kidding. By the time the first woman issued one of these. <laughs> yeah, no like, kidding. <laughs> what took us no so kidding. long? And I know it's an issue we've talked about on this show previously, mm -hmm. trying to get more women involved in meteorology and STEM. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of very smart women in this mm -hmm. industry. Oh, yeah. I see that tweet and I'm happy for Liz and I'm happy that we finally cleared it. I just wish we had cleared that milestone <laughs> sometime earlier. Yeah. Yep. No, I'm with you, with you hundred percent. And, uh, I think the good news is, is that that won't be the last one. Um, yeah, I think, you know, the, we're, we're seeing just tremendous diversification, uh, now, um, in all directions in the weather enterprise, uh, it is, is becoming much more of a, you know, really a representation of, you know, of who we are as a country. And, uh, and that's really good. Um, th those, you know, diverse voices and everything like that, you know, can help, you know, drive the message in, in ways that, you know, that, you know, we learn from each other on that. And so, uh, I'm, I'm very, you know, it's, it is kind of crazy that it took until 2023, but, um, kudos to Liz and, um, and, and, uh, you know, it's uh, one of many and, uh, you know, this is, it's only going to get better. It's only going to get, you know, better from here, I think. And, uh, so I'm, I'm really, you know, I was really, really excited about that. And for, <laughs> unfortunately it's verifying. <laughs> I mean, yay. Yeah. She is just a sphere thunderstorm watch, but yeah, it's verifying. In fact, you know, out there, there's a tornado warning right now. And, and, and really the thing that we're watching tonight is the potential for enhanced tornadoes around Memphis. Um, our old friend, uh, Eric Proceus, uh, over in, uh, Memphis, uh, memphisweather.net. He's got a busy night ahead. He and his, uh, he and his team, mm -hmm. um, there's no watch out yet, but there probably will be pretty soon. Um, there, there is the potential for significant overnight tornadoes. They actually have one of the hatched areas in place in the outlook. Do um, yeah. Over Memphis, yeah. Let me see if I can't. I got. Grab it. I, I'm, I'm working on it here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Coming our way right now. So, yeah. So you have a 10% risk of a significant tornado uh, around Memphis. There, you get that hatched area. Yeah, that's never good. Yeah. No. From about Greenville, Mississippi, up through Memphis, uh, Tennessee. So uh, that's going to be an overnight thing. And there's a hatched area for tomorrow too. Um, that is going to be more uh, Mississippi, Alabama, in that area. Um, so I have a feeling James Spann is going to be busy tomorrow. Uh, but but what that hatch means, that 10% hatch, we talk about hatched areas. What does that mean? That That is the potential for an EF2 or stronger tornado is elevated in that area. A 10% chance that there could be um, a strong tornado in that area. And so that's something that you don't want to take lightly. So that includes Birmingham. Um, gets uh, very close to Jackson. I think it's going to stay just to the 
east of Jackson, but Birmingham up into Tuscaloosa, those areas. So um, certainly there. And, and the other thing that I want to call out here is the northward extent of this severe weather threat. Absolutely. February, really? We're talking right. a 5% Cincinnati. tornado risk in Cincinnati? I mean, I, I, I'll get, I'm going to get this, uh, I'm going to get this model back up because this is, abso- I mean, this is absolutely insane. Um, I, I, so I'm plotting the dew points, the 500 mil bar heights, and I'm plotting the, um, and the, the, uh, let's see, the 850 winds. And, and just, just take this in these greens, 50, 50 degree dew points all the way into pencil, well into Pennsylvania, well into New Jersey. You know, if our friend Peter's watching tonight, um, <clears throat> you know, he, he's going to be he's going to be in a very spring like air mass. Um, and it's been abnormally warm up there. There's been very little winter to speak of, aside from a couple cold snaps. But you can see there's your front right there <laughs> where you have that very sharp gradient of, uh, of of dew points and then high pressure moving in there. But then the lows in Cincinnati, this is going to continue to traverse up into the Great Lakes area and into New England. Uh that along with the kind of the increasing 500 millibar heights that you see here, the the aging here that I was talking about. Um, generally speaking, that's going to blunt that severe weather threat here. But um, I'll tell you what, I mean, you don't see, you, you don't see too often this time of year. This February 15th, 16th, 17th. I mean, that's kind of absurd. It's a, it, it, it matches the pattern. It feels like a lot of mm-hmm. things are constantly absurd. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, yeah. uh, going back over to Jeremy's question about yes. spring that lies ahead, are we in a La Nina pattern or an El Nino pattern for this spring and summertime? It's a very interesting question because the official answer is that we are still in La Nina, but all through January, it showed signs of weakening, which I know mm-hmm. has messed up at some winter forecasting. So mm-hmm. I think it's worth watching, Jeremy, to see exactly what we're going to get. But mm-hmm. but to Jared's last point, I'm I'm watchful right now for what a prolonged severe weather season could potentially look like. Just because warm temperatures are coming early doesn't mean we get to summer any earlier. You know, the pollen season is going to last longer this year if we continue with our trend. And I'm trying oh, not. Oh, it's already started. I'm I'm taking my allergy meds every day now. Otherwise, I would not look like this. Um, you know, I, I caution myself a little bit because I think we've had hurricane seasons, right? Where we'll be like in June and we'll be like, oh, man, we're already up to G. That's an exaggeration. But then we're like, it's going to be a crazy tropical season. And then it goes quiet mm-hmm. for months. And happened months to and us last year. year. Right. <laughs> so just because it's February and it's warm mm-hmm. doesn't mean that it will continue to be above normal all yeah. through march and may you know april and may but trends are trends and i'm watching it to see what comes of it yeah and i, and I also think it's worth noting that the prediction is to go at least neutral so no right. el nino no la nina but 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 down in the middle and keep in mind we've been in a la nina now for the last three years it's been holding on so, so i mean so it's been a minute since we've been towards neutral and then maybe tilting towards an el nino and that El Nino years I've noticed have been, you know, some can be somewhat active in the severe weather department down here. So that'll be something that we're going to want to watch. You know, that kind of comes at the expense of maybe potentially a a quieter hurricane season. I mean, again, it only takes one, so it really doesn't matter. But, um, but, you know, 
that that's going to be something that we're going to you know definitely keep a pretty close eye on um because it's been a, it's been a while i mean it's been three years since we've been dealing since we've had the specter of you know neutral conditions yeah it'll be interesting to watch um let's talk about jared cold front comes through this week periods of heavy rain little stormy at times the weekend saturday is going to be like whiplash 50 degree highs in mm-hmm. charlotte it's going to be like just for a moment we get a little seasonable but mm-hmm. for a month that has been above average i mean we're going to turn right back around then by the time mm-hmm. we get to sunday this is going to move pretty fast uh, you know the, again this cold front that's coming th- you know, that, that you know that's pushing towards our area um I, I think one interesting bit there james is that down here in charleston it will be the first weekend that we've had rain free since the first weekend of 2023 since the 7th and 8th of january we've had measurable rain at least one day every weekend since then and so i know that that's going to come as quite a relief but uh but yeah it's not going to last long you know high pressure is going to move in and then it's going to move right back out we're going to have a what's called a zonal configuration set up aloft and that's where the winds are blowing west to east and they're going to blow kind of fast west to east um and so what that does it makes a very progressive pattern. there's nothing that's locking anything in place down here um so that is going to keep you know high pressure and everything moving along um next storm system maybe maybe a little bit uh, maybe a little bit away, but uh, but that is going to kind of that that's going to whip that cold air out real fast, um, and then eventually give way to you know some more of that ridging aloft. And as you as you get higher pressure aloft, uh, what that does is that it increases what's called the thickness of the atmosphere. Essentially, the atmosphere becomes thicker, and so when you get those higher thicknesses, that's more air, that's more insulation thus leading to warmer temperatures, um, generally speaking. So that's what we're looking at. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I mean, I don't hate it, but, but again, like if this is a uh, cost, it does come with a cost and, and keep in mind too, that if there is a cold outbreak that happens in March, we could, we could run into this. Some, we, I mean, your billion dollar disasters can start in March and you don't have to have a, a lick of raindrop. You don't have to have any tornadoes for that just needs to get cold enough to kill a bunch of you know premature crops uh, I'm that. i am yeah I, I mean we were talking about that earlier you know gardens are getting going i mean we're starting to see uh you know we're, we're starting to see some uh, some flowers and, and things wake up mm-hmm. here uh we got to be careful of that because if we get if we get a freeze in march not out of the question not only is that disruptive at home to your lawns and to your gardens, but also agricultural industry. We've had it in years past where there go the citrus crops or, you know, things that all of a sudden you're looking at these new stock photos of, you know, ice accumulating on oranges and things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's that expensive. Is, it is very expensive. And there's enough expenses right now at the grocery store that I don't even want to think about that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Luckily this weekend, we're not talking about any sort of deep freeze temperatures, which will be good news for our friends at the National Weather Service in Columbia. If you take a look right now at our radar scope screen, you can already see Columbia's radar right here in the center of South Carolina has been taken offline. And this is for the planned service life extension program that we've been telling you about here on the Carolina Weather Group. Our radars were deployed in the 90s using 80s designed technology. And like every other piece of technology, they age with time. So in order to keep 
the radars at the National Weather Service offices operating until 2035 and beyond. They are intentionally being taken offline one by one and going through about two weeks worth of repairs. Uh, we were lucky enough to travel down to the National Weather Service in Greenville, Spartanburg, the Greer office, to watch repairs at that radar just a few weeks ago. And it involves bringing in a crane and lowering down the radome. Well, the Columbia office is now due up. They were originally scheduled to start earlier in the week, but because of the forecast winds, they decided to start on Saturday when the weather is a little bit colder, but a little bit calmer in terms of the wind because they have to lift up the pedestal and they're going to take it out and they're going to put a new pedestal in and then they're going to put the radome back on. And then it takes about Jared, as we saw with Greer about two weeks or so to get it mm -hmm. all kind of calibrated and back together. Uh, luckily Columbia will get theirs done here uh, and be done with it in the next two or three weeks or so. But they were generous enough, as you might remember to switch places with the national weather service in Greenville Spartanburg who had theirs done, but got accelerated because they had a bowl gear failure that took the radar offline unintentionally just weeks before it was scheduled to be intentionally taken offline for mm -hmm. repairs. And so uh, if you look at your radar apps right now, such as RadarScope, you'll see that Columbia is already offline. And so they're reminding folks that there are other National Weather Service radars you can use across the Carolinas uh, to continue to look at storms that we may be getting here in this early February pre to spring. Of course, you have the GSP radar that covers portions of upstate South Carolina that will cover parts of Columbia's area. You can even use some of the Georgia-based radars, the Charleston radar, uh, the one out towards uh, Wilmington, uh, the terminal Doppler radar, maybe if you're in that tiny little peninsula of Lancaster County that kind of <laughs> sticks up. You know, technically where I am near Matthews, I'm yeah. closer to Columbia's radar than I am to GSP's radar, but barely. I mean, hit the little no, like radar near me. Yeah, radar. No, because there's no radar actually near me. No. <laughs> I'm technically no. closer to Columbia's. Yeah, the terminal uh, was so the best you're doing. The terminal radar is uh, is a blessing here in Charlotte. Somehow it seems like every one of these conversations steers into this pothole. Uh, but uh, for most of South Carolina, you're going to have to use an alternative radar for the next two weeks or so while Columbia goes ahead and does their repairs. We're still hoping to bring you an episode here in the Carolina Weather Group talking with some of the folks at the home office that maintain the Service Life Extension Program and what that entails. Remember, this costs about a million dollars per radar, and that is money that continues to protect life and property across not only the Carolinas, but the entire United States. So keep an eye out on that. And then onward from there, Wilmington is done. Mm -hmm. Greer is done. Columbia is in progress. And then they still have to do Charleston, Raleigh, and also Blacksburg and Wakefield in Virginia that cover parts of mm -hmm. North Carolina. Yep. There's uh, a lot of pedestals to be replaced. That's for sure. A lot of Do you know... Because when we went to Greer, we had lots of time to hang out with the weather service. Awesome people. Yeah. They don't make them anymore because right. old tech. So they take them, if I understood this correctly, somebody dropped me a comment if I misunderstood. But they take them down to like the Space Coast and they get them refurbished. So like when they are installed during the Service Life Extension Program, they're refurbished pieces. Mm -hmm. And once they said that, I'm looking at it and I go, you know, that does kind of look like a giant space something mm -hmm. i don't know who does the refurbishments i don't know if it's military or private or whatever but when you just stare at it long enough you're kind of like oh yeah that is like a big piece of custom-sized metal mm -hmm. yep 
the, the 88 in WSR 88D means 1988. That's right. And we're getting a lot further from that. <laughs> uh, I, I think we're getting closer to the end of the what they expect the service life extension to be than we are 1988 when the radars debuted. Um, yes. Yeah. So it's been a hot minute since anyone told us what's coming next. Mm-hmm. Phased array. Where? What happened? Where did that? What happened? Phased array seems to be the thing. We'll see. Um, Maybe. But uh, but yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's been it's been interesting to say uh, to say the least. And so. You know, that's, uh, you know, but it's remarkable, you know, I, I think, I think the other thing to point out, though, is that it's kind of remarkable just how much mileage we've gotten out of the 88Ds, out of the NextRad network, and the upgrades that we've been able to put on them over the years with the dual polarization, and super resolution, and all of those things. Yeah. I mean, they're continuing to develop new products against it. Like, it's been a pretty good investment uh, on all. I can tease ahead. Um, loyal watchers and listeners of the Carolina Weather Group know that my day job is at WCNC Charlotte, where the meteorologists there do their weekly weather IQ series, where they try to teach you something about the world around you. And meteorologist Chris Mulcahy's piece next week is about how radars work. That'll be and good. So he'll show you exactly how this old tech is kept new. He talks about dual mm-hmm. pole and how we went from scanning the skies horizontally to also now vertically so we can get 3D depictions. It's, it's really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so Jeremy watching tonight on YouTube uh, is asking, what upgrades are they doing to the radar repairs? So if I recall correctly from my time when I went down to watch in Greer, we're not really getting anything new per se in terms of output, but we are maintaining what we have we will continue to get dual pull and all the things we're familiar with now hopefully to the year 2035 2040 depending on who you ask um, mm-hmm. because they want to keep that tech working and again these are just all pieces of things that you can't just go down to radio shack and buy a new one because radio shack ain't there <laughs> There was no service life extension program for Radio Shack. No, no, unless you were into crypto. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, but but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the, uh, you know, that and, and that's the idea. What where we are getting upgrades still, and where we are getting new value adds is the continual development of the software. Um, the software is continued has continued to evolve. Uh, you know, the software at the the at, at the radars themselves. Uh, that generate the data that then, you know, then disseminates it all out to, you know, the AWIPS workstations at the Weather Service, out to, you know, the the web servers at National Weather Service to get processed into Ridge 2 that we get downloaded into like our radar scope and GR level 3, um, you know, things like that. So it's been, um, you know, that, that, and that, inv- that innovation is going to continue. They keep um, optimizing what the old tech can do mm-hmm. absolutely and now yeah. we have it on the palm of our hands think about 1988 could you imagine in 1988 they were like everyone's gonna have it in the palm of their hands what no uh, in 1988 what? they were using grease pens yeah <laughs> <laughs> on I wish big I could travel back in time yeah that's a uh, it's something it's it, it's it's honestly incredible how things have advanced yeah. uh you know the, the stuff that the stuff that we used to you know that was like that was really really groundbreaking on television you know when gary england and, and the gang mm-hmm. uh, first you know did the first like television doppler radar 
and and you know and you get to baron with fast track and and you know in, in the street level view I, mean, I, I remember first time i saw street level i was like whoa this is so cool um and, and they had the storm tracks and everything that they would do and now that and now that stuff is in the palm of our hands it's it unreal really, it really is it is very cool never want to take it for granted right it's like a good never. reminder like like this is really cool stuff all right well before we go tonight jared i'm looking forward very much jared to cashing in my golden ticket getting through the gates and getting to see we're going to go to the launch pad we're going to get to see the rocket before it blasts off um it's going to be really cool stuff but but we didn't really budget for this trip And by budget, I mean, like, the till is just like, like, all I got in here are, like, coins that only work at my local arcade, okay? And it's not Chuck E. Cheese. So uh, we did something pretty cool that we've been meaning to do for a while. And uh, I've been trying to model some of it tonight as a, as a subtle hint. Uh, let's see if this new animation works. Spoiler alert, didn't work before the show. <laughs> um... But we've opened a merch store. So you too can support and sport your favorite Carolina Weather Group gear, hats and mugs and water bottles and stickers. We tried to do things at a couple different price points. Uh, If you want to check out what's in there, you can scan the QR code that is on your screen now, or you can click the link that is in the description of wherever you're watching or listening to this show. Uh, We're hoping to keep this store open and we're also looking for your feedback. So if there's something you would like to see, drop us a note and we will attempt to find it. But um, let me quickly put on the screen, Jared, some of the things that are in here because I had some fun crafting up some things Mm -hmm. in the store. It is uh, a lovely experience in that... You don't have to wait for me to put anything in the mail, which makes me very happy because all of this is taken care of right there on the website. You can make payments. You can put in your shipping information. I don't get your shipping information, so you don't have to worry about us, although we are very trustworthy. I don't know why I would cast any doubt in any of that, Uh, but it then comes straight to you. Uh, So we have hats. Uh, For some reason, the mug is listed twice. I don't know why. Because what's better than one coffee, but two coffees? Double Water fist. bottle, stickers, T-shirt. I even tried to. I even tried to coin my own catchphrase on this mug. So not only does it say Carolina Weather Group on the mug, but on the backside of the mug, it says, "I need more coffee. I'm CAD crashing," which is how I feel every time I get stuck in the witch. Yeah, I think we're gonna have a few more merch items just uh, yeah along the lines of the wedge. Stay tuned. Um, we welcome your puns. Yes, yes. The, the the pun machine is 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 already cranking over here. So, yes. Uh, but yeah, that's some really cool stuff. The diecast sticker looks awesome in particular. That's going to look really good on the car. Um, and I can actually really cool see that some people have already scanned the QR code while we've been sitting here talking. So thank you, thank you for going to check those out. Uh, we're excited. Hopefully you are too. And uh, there's also a link in the comments apparently. So you can go check out the uh, the first iteration of our, our little merch store. A new way for you to support your favorite weather podcast. And look good doing it. 
That's right. I'm sure all of you will look better than me because I'm me. (laughs) (laughs) Now, now. All right, now the real test. Let's see if I can make the the animation go away. There it goes. It did not work before the show. No, it did (laughs) not. stuck and it would not go away. (laughs) Yeah, we have our theories about that, but that was pretty funny. Uh, There's a little few technical technical difficulties tonight, but... Um, We will have live coverage of SpaceX Crew-6, the commercial flight to the International Space Station right here, wherever you're watching or listening to the Carolina Weather Group. You are not going to want to miss it. Uh, We are going to bring out all the stops. Tony Rice, NASA ambassador, will be on with us. Brad Panovich, WCNC Charlotte chief meteorologist, will be with us to bestow his space knowledge upon us. And so uh, we're looking forward to not only a few themed shows coming up about that right here on our normal kind of release schedule, but also, of course, live coverage extras as we look ahead to this launch. It's going to be great. Oh, yeah. Well, Jared, I think that does it for Mm -hmm. this week. I think it does. Buy a hat. Buy a shirt. Buy two hats. Buy two mugs. Buy James gas money or just another coffee. Mm -hmm. Coffee is great. Coffee is what makes the world go round. It is. Here's a look on this Wednesday evening at NC State in the Raleigh area. We will be back with more Carolina with a group real soon. Until then, be well. And so long.